Hi, everybody, and welcome back to yet another cracking installment of the Map Round Show. This is the Built in New York series where I'm connecting you, my audience around the world, to uh, people doing rad shit. Uh, and one of those people I'm very pleased to introduce you all to uh, is the founder and CEO. Oh, oh, her name's Leslie Burrell, firstly, and they, she's doing amazing things with this brand called Carefully or the Carefully app. Uh, Leslie, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me here today, Matt. I'm excited to, to chat with you. No, no, it's going to be a great conversation, doing something pretty unique uh, from my perspective. But um, as always, uh, I always ask my guests to give us a little bit of their backstory um, and give us, you know, their version of the elevator pitch, so to speak. Um, so why don't you kick us off, take the reins uh, from me, and we'll take it from there. Sure. So um, I can tell you just a little bit about myself. Um, I grew up in, in Texas with a Jewish mom and a Cuban father. Um, and I moved to New York um, back in 2003. So I consider myself a New Yorker, but I'm, I'll always be a Texan. Um, I'm also very much a Cuban at heart. So I'm, um, I have all of those things going on in my life. Um, what brought me to Carefully, uh, I'm a single working mom living in New York, trying to survive. Back in 2016, my son was... Um, three years old. Um, and, and, um, I, you know, I was, um, I, he was sort of just at the age where he was starting to have independent play and he was going to preschool. And I thought, okay, now I can get a break. Playdates are a great way to kind of get a break. And I remembered, I didn't have a lot of friends with, with kids at the time. And I just remembered going over to kids house and, you know, playing with them. And I didn't realize that playdates really entailed parents coming over and entertaining the parents while the kids were entertaining themselves. And so to me, as more of an introvert, that's not really getting the break that you need sometimes. And so I thought to myself, there really has to be um, a better way, a way for us to kind of remove some of that obligation and guilt that comes along with being a parent where you feel like you always have to be there watching the kids and being there with the parents. And so coming from a background in technology, um, I worked for, worked in tech for you know, 20, 20 plus years. I kind of thought, okay, well, technology can solve this problem. And, um, and that's when I started working on, on Carefully. I was, I was really in, I was in between two, two jobs and I wanted to, to exercise some different muscles too. And, and so I got to work on Carefully and started exploring exploring that solution where parents can connect with each other and build trusted networks and start exchanging care, thinking that if there was a technology platform that could help make it okay um, to, to not always be there, then that would be um, a good way to kind of put that in place. And that's sort of the way that we start. I kind of explain it in in um, our, our, my origin story in summary as like, I'm an introverted mom with an extroverted kid. He always needs a play date and I always need a break. And um, that's sort of how it, how it really started was a, a side project for me. Sure. Um, amazing. I love the, the last uh, line there <laughs> about introverted mom with an extroverted child. Like that's, uh, that's friction right there, everyone. <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, maybe for, before we get into like what you've built, uh, which I think is really different, um, is to talk about, um, some more contextual stuff. So do you find, you know, like, 
um, like I'm married, of, ki- of course, everyone knows I've got two kids um, and my wife is uh, constantly battling with guilt. You know, like you touched on it also, like you, you had this mom guilt. Um, and oftentimes it stems from this idea of, of not being able to be, be with your children as a mother as much as you would hope you know, or expect yourself to, to be. Um, and then the reason is because you're being pulled, you're stretched into other things. Um, and there's many things that drive that there's, there's probably like the villain in the story here, which is when your mom is an entrepreneur also, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like you could be working in a nice job, working part, like, you know what I mean? Like you, you have other options, but you're Mm -hmm. like, no, 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 I'm going to be an entrepreneur, which is, as everyone knows, it's super, super challenging. Time is just like, you don't, there's no such thing as balance. So I'm curious to um, get your view, uh, Leslie, about how are you managing this? Like, how do you, how are you basically a single mom uh, building a business and a successful one too? Like, how do you manage the time commitments, you know what I'm saying? Like, and the, mm-hmm. and the expectation of that you put on yourself and the pressure that you put on yourself to be uh, you know, present with your kids and spend time with them and all that kind of stuff. How do you, how did you, you know, do all of that successfully? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's interesting. First of all, I think the villain is actually society um, and society putting that, that, that expectation on us to be everything to our kids and everything to everyone. Whereas I think, um, you know, this is my personal philosophy. Everybody is entitled to their own, but I think it's really healthy for kids to have their independence and, and not have their, you know, have their parents hovering over them all the time and to see that I'm building a business and doing things and they have to figure things out. He has, my son has to figure things out on his own sometimes. Um, at the same time, you know, a big reason that I um, ended up leaving my career in, in tech was because I wasn't I wasn't being fulfilled. I wasn't getting what I wanted and I wanted more time with him. So I've made also made a conscious decision that while I'm cre- building a startup, I'm not going to let it um, consume me, that I'm creating a life of balance. So, um, you know, I have to check myself sometimes um, that that I that I make sure that I integrate my life with with him and with my startup. Um, I, you know, I take him to soccer and I do things with him and it's starting to, you know, I'm juggling different things, but I think we, um, I've, I've always kind of made those decisions from, from the day I brought him home from the hospital. I think people have always not understood how as a single mom, I could, you know, I go, go out with my friends. I take him with me. I never let him kind of changed my life. I integrated him into my life. And that has allowed me to continue to have balance, but also made him take more responsibility for himself sometimes, I think more than than um, other people. And then I still have the guilt. Sometimes like, you know, and I say it out loud, I like, oh, I'm a bad mom for doing those things. And I just try to verbalize it and acknowledge it and accept it and, and move on. Yeah. Well, uh, congratulations, because the fact that you just decided uh, and you stuck with it for as long as you have is uh, is all credit to you. Um, so let's talk about the problem here. So from your, in your own words, what is the problem that Carefully uh, solves for parents? Um, well, child care is um, 
unaffordable, inaccessible, and complicated. That's sort of the core of it, right? We're spending um, we're spending nearly a hundred billion dollars on paid childcare today. Um, they, they estimate we spend three trillion dollars on invisible labor. That's the that's all of the, the the work that mostly women are doing to keep society functioning um, at home and just without getting paid for it, right? And it's still this a very stressful thing just to organize organize care. And so carefully is a platform for what I call the caring economy of tomorrow that's helping families connect so that they can save money, they can organize um, community-based care, which is just exchanging care, swapping care, care circles, babysitting co-ops, and that they can can organize it with ease through our app. It's a very user-friendly interface and it makes that connection and that organizing very easy. So trying to I guess, ignite that community spirit that is, I think, um, inside all of us. But I think especially in America, we've become a very individualistic society, although we do see sparks of it um, coming up when we need when we need it. So through the pandemic, we saw mutual aid really rise up um, through Black Lives Matter. We saw people come together and fight. Um, You know, um, unfortunately, it was because of very dire circumstances. Um, but we know that communities can come together when they need to. And so this is another one of those situations where we're in a crisis with childcare and, and we want to give them the, give communities the tools to hopefully come together and support each other and then have, um, have more power to drive change. So why is there a crisis? I mean, you mentioned we spend, uh, you know, $100 billion uh, a year spends on childcare. Um, seems to me like that's a lot of money to be going into a, a system, if you like, um, that is in a crisis. So why is it in a crisis? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top, you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up. It's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. Well, I mean, I think it's been I think it's been um, below the surface for a very long time, right? We we have been we have we haven't valued childcare, right? Because a lot of the reason is because it has been something that's been done in the home by women, um, and it's often done by um, people of color, and so it's just not valued the way it should be. I would say is is a big part of the problem. I think the reason that it it has come to the surface is also because of the, the pandemic. We had a lot of men at home seeing 
the crisis, seeing seeing and feeling it. And I said, this is, this is not right. And so it, there, that's when people started realizing how bad the situation was. Um, and it, it got worse because childcare centers were closing down. People were, um, were not able to, to get childcare as much, but I think that it was always sort of in a crisis level. And now we, now um, it's just, it's kind of boiled over and, and that's part of the problem. Right. So, um, so curious to uh, double down on, on some of the problem here. So do, would you say that the market opportunity is, is the $100 billion number um, from your perspective? Is that what you're kind of looking to capture market share within? Uh, so I think it's, it's, the, it's the $3 trillion, to be honest. It's not, be, the, especially with Carefully, because Carefully is also, is very much about the people that are doing that invisible labor already, people that are um, using their friends and family network, they're not necessarily in a position to to utilize the paid the the paid care. They don't either. They don't have access to it. They can't afford it, or they don't trust the system. They're utilizing um, friends and family network. They're utilizing their their relatives, or they're just taking care of it at home. So a lot of what we're um, looking at is that invisible labor, but we're surfacing it through the karma care hours. So we use a system of karma care hours to help people kind of stay in balance. So you earn karma care hours when you watch somebody else's kids, and then you can use those karma care hours to ask somebody else to watch your kids. And it's not really, we don't think of it as much as a currency, but much more to help people give and receive. Right. So is karma care like a currency, so to speak? Well, that's what I was saying. We try not to think of it as much like a currency because we don't want people to hoard it. We want people to stay in balance. Right. Okay. So um, so the thing for me, right, being a parent myself that I'd love to get your your view on is trust. You know, like we've just moved to, you know, the, my backstory is does everyone know. Uh, so I moved to the States like three months ago and like we don't have, like we've lost all of our support network right so Mm -hmm. people people move like you change for a job then some people get divorced and you know like we don't have that support system anymore um and so my wife put this post out and she was like yeah like we need some someone to come you know sit for that so we can go back and actually spend one fucking hour together on our own you know what i mean um and so you need help problem is it's like how do you know who to choose and this this is like your entire like like of all the things you can outsource like the childcare bits is the one thing that's like you don't you 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 got to be pragmatic you got to take your time and you got to trust these people like cuz they're literally holding your legacy and the things you care most about um you know and they they have them in your in their care it makes sense so um how do you how does uh, carefully like solve this trust issue you know like the right person and you know what i mean like who how do you know how to trust like figure that out yeah i mean this is actually when i when when i when i was thinking about talking to you trust is absolutely one of the big challenges that we're thinking about a lot now for different reasons um everybody's definition of trust is different especially when you're talking about this child care exchange i think it's very different when you're thinking about the paid Care when you go on to say care.com and you're hiring a sitter, you might do a background check and then you know you might check their references. Um, in 
in the, the in carefully's model, I equate it more to um, you know your parent your parent the parents at school, right? If your kids are having a play date with somebody else, somebody at school, you don't go run a background check on them necessarily. Some people might, but I typically you don't do a background check on on the people that your kids are are going to school with, um, and so. And, and also a lot of times the, the communities that we're prioritizing, right? They're the lower middle income communities, people that have been, that have been um, you know, traditionally marginalized, overlooked, under-resourced. And so they've been often, um, they often have a distrust of the justice system. They've been, you know, over-policed um, and often um, have a higher number of arrests and convictions. So the, the background checks are also going to reflect that, right? And so being sensitive to that is, is a challenge in how we think about trust, um, but something that we, and, and so those two, I think that those two aspects mean what we focused on more initially in, in our product is saying like, you should build trust the way that you build trust with other parents in your community, which means you should, these should be people in the, the community that you know through school, through church, through um you know, through sports organizations, and you should build trust that way. Um, you should get to know them first by, you know, meeting together, seeing how your kids play together, having a play date together, and then start exchanging care. Um, and and then now as we're expanding into businesses and in larger organizations, I think those businesses have a, have a different set of concerns, which is like liability and risks and things like that. And so we're look, we are looking at how do we start to introduce these background checks in a way that is thoughtful of the communities that we're serving and not just serving the interests of the businesses. And so we are looking at um, at partnering with some background check services that think about that think about it in this way. So are you facilitating the ability for a parent to build his or her own trusted network in a city or a suburb that they reside in? Uh, and if that is the case, how does the app facilitate that journey? Yep. So they can go. So the way that it, and this is actually the way it started, right? As you go onto the app, you build your own group. So you can create a group, you get your own um, code for that group and you share the code with people that you want to join that group. It can be either you can share a link to the group or you can just share a code and people can join with that code during their signup process. And then you have complete control over that group. You're the host, you're the admin. Somebody joins that you don't want to join it, you kick them out, you change the code if somebody shares the code with people you don't want to do it. So you're kind of in control of that group. If you don't have a network, um, which is something that we heard from people, um, so that were coming to the app, they were looking to meet people, which is not what we expected. Um, we started creating ways for people to also meet people on the app, but in 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 ways that are separate. So you, you, the app is not just an open platform like Facebook, where you can just go in and you can kind of see everybody. You have your groups, and nobody can see you unless you decide to open your profile to other people. So you can go to our hubs. Um, we have city hubs in select cities. So like in New York, we have a city hub that's about 100 people. You go in there, people can access your profile and see who you are, and you can connect with people there. And we kind of put a disclaimer in there that says like, hey, this is a hub. You're going to be sharing your profile with people in here, um, and you can connect and meet people. You can post and, and sort of have conversations either in the hub or 
um, connect with them one-on-one. But even when you want to connect with people, you have to like have a dual connection where both people accept to connect. So um, we have different ways and we have a few different ways. You can also find people that are within 50 miles of you and connect with them. Um, so we've tried to facilitate the, the one-on-one connections for people that want to do that. The primary way that we think about it is people are going in and they have a small network and they start to like invite people into their network too. So, um, so that's pretty cool. So it's kind of like, um, there was the drop, I'm thinking about like the Dropbox uh, story where they basically, you know, once you registered a cloud account, you would be given like 16 free gigs and you would like gift it, you know what I mean? And like you gifted it. it was like <laughs> That's a, a lo- That was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, but but it's, but it's I'm, I'm using that story because it feels to me like it's almost similar, the, the mechanics, right, that, you, that you're kind of, that you've designed and that you put into the app, meaning like I'm going to send an app to like, you know, Caroline and Caroline will get to that. Then she signs that. And you know what I mean? Like, and then she, so then it be, the network effects uh, opportunity starts to drive itself. So, you know, obviously that brings your, your cost of acquisition down. Um, yeah. What is, was that something that you always intended to do or, and, and if it, and, and if it was, or if, you know, it wasn't like how has network effects, the product mechanic side of things actually driven adoption for you? Um. So, so I'll be perfectly honest. I mean, I think we're still very early stage. I think that the we're growing organically, but it's still not any kind of exponential growth. We haven't invested a lot in marketing, so it's very organic and we're still working out some of the mechanics. I think we're starting I think we're starting to get there, but um, it's it's still slow. We have a few things that we're doing and and I think that there's, I feel like we're trying to do a lot of different things. Like we're trying to change the people's mindset and how they provide care, which is still something that people don't, that not everybody gets. A lot of people still come to the app thinking that they're going to find a babysitter. Um, and so that, and so that helping them understand like that's not what the app is about is like one part of it. We're also, you know, trying to do this in a bootstrapped way without any kind of um, real venture capital. And, um, and then we're, we're building this for, um, we're trying to make sure we're prioritizing the needs of sort of the lower middle income families. So we're, we're, we're just trying to do all of these things. So we're moving kind of slowly, I would say. So our, I think that we have good traction, but it's still slow. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what, you know, what they say, like, um, you got to move slow to move fast. I think oftentimes yeah. like we, we want to scale so badly, like we don't actually take the time to really think through like what's the best user experience and use cases for, for them. Yeah. Um, and I, I also think there's just, there's, it's hard with all the, the, the noise in the world about, about traction and exponential growth to not get intimidated by it sometimes. And that's why I also think it's important to talk about it. Like I really am focused on building a sustainable business. Right. And that's my goal. And so finding that, finding the, that slow growth before we like get get to there but i'm glad that you noticed that because i do think once we get there it's got those mechanics in there to grow mm-hmm. the fundamentals are there right and so mm-hmm. that that's something that you i mean for me it's almost like you you want to build it so that if you chose to raise money 
You know what I mean? Like you thought about what that story is and some proof points around like product led growth as an example, or even just mm-hmm. like the, the, you know, like the community driving the growth itself. And I think mm-hmm. uh, where I want to go now is this idea of like community activism, because that, that's really what this sounds like to me in the sense of, you know, like I'm creating my own private network or my own private community and I'm activating that in a way that develops trust and that solves a unique problem for me meaning a play date for my child or you know a care like or care basically for, for my children as a, as a parent so um community activism how important is that in your mind uh when it comes to scaling uh, carefully mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's i would even it's, it's even more fundamental right because as i mentioned i, I didn't go into this but the the whole structure of the company is that we're co- cooperative right so we're, and we haven't um, fully launched this concept yet, but the, the structure of the company is uh, is a co-op, so a multi-stakeholder co-op for, for those that know what that is, but will be owned by both, the, there will be opportunities for people in the community to join the co-op and have ownership in our platform, um, and for the people that work at Carefully to join the co-op. And so that means instead of consolidating wealth, like with the VCs that invest in it, that the people that um, make us successful, which is the community, will have ownership in our platform. And then that means they have they have the ability to vote on the direction and, and make sure that we stay honest and true to the direction that, that we say and to the values that we believe in. Um, and then they also get... Um, as we become profitable, they get they get to share in those profits. And so that shared wealth is something that's that I think is really important that we don't become extractive um, like a lot of other platforms do. And in that co-op model, part of that too is being able to engage community leaders and community activists who want to join the platform and bring their networks on, knowing that what we're doing is um is creating shared wealth for their communities. Mm-hmm. So, so listening to you in that last little segment sounds to me like a decentralized autonomous organization or a DAO, <laughs> right? Um, right. Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, co-ops are, are uh, a much more traditional established version of a DAO, I guess. And um, they're, as opposed they're, there, I think I so the, so I'm not into DAOs. So I don't I can't speak to all the all the intricacies of a DAO. But I think that um, the the idea of a co-op is that you're empowering the members. So there's a lot of similar principles that are applied to DAOs. That co-ops have been established for a very long time and are very successful. There's a lot of successful co-ops in the world that you can point to, and DAOs are sort of just getting started. And there's a lot of hype around them. Um, and so I, I kind of like the to go down the path of co-ops because I think it's sort of this tried and true path that has a lot of potential to continue to empower the, the workers and the communities um, without kind of getting into some of the, the hype cycle of, of crypto and mm-hmm. and um, and all of those other things. Although there's there's some there's some good stuff there, but <laughs> is there? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure yeah. there's some, there's yeah. some stuff there. I don't I don't know man I think <laughs> <laughs> like I no. said I, I stay away from it and, but there's there's 
there's like there's a mixture of stuff if you i mean there's some stuff with blockchain that i think is use is useful i guess um that i think that from a technology perspective there's some um there's some useful bits of blockchain i think that crypto i'm not you know i'm not super into crypto um, but you know but you know these things change right and i think yeah. now now i think uh, a i would say the majority of you know web3 startups are uh, <laughs> have are looking for a problem to solve um and there's lots of languaging around the space to try and be different or whatever, but when you read it, like no one understands. It's like I don't get it, dude. You know, uh, unless yeah, you I... unless you're in the space. But you know, like you know, I'm, I'm thinking about doing like a, a series called "What the Web 3 to actually figure out. Like, so in your case, if you take this DAO idea, like you're not exactly far off. Like, I think the if you were to if it became a need or it became more dark, you know, what I mean, like suddenly the world's there. Now it's mm. like, well, shit, you've actually got like organizing principles in place around these cooperative communities, right? Uh, like that are autonomous, make their own decisions, share in the profits. Like those are all like systemic principles for Web3 value, right? Um, equally, I had, speaking of communities, I had Gina Biancini on the show. She runs Mighty Networks. That's actually a show you should watch. Uh, I actually did watch that. Oh, did you watch it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, I mean, so like, and so what she's doing, right? So their their whole thing is around like community infrastructure software, basically. That's what I would say. What uh, that it is, Um, and you know what they're doing is they at the end of this year they're releasing uh, like token gates, like the tokenization of communities. You know, is she too early? She too like you know like we will see time will tell yeah. but my but like my point being is like she was the you know just community infrastructure stuff now it's like well hang on there's this web3 thing you know so she's not like to to do it it's not like a huge departure from no. the core principles of her business right and we're in and carefully is what they call a platform cooperative so platform and i think there's like a traditional cooperative. There's like a worker cooperative or a farmer's cooperative that's that's um, um, that's on one end of the spectrum. And then there's like the DAOs that are on the other end of the spectrum and we're a platform cooperative. So that just means like we're, you know, we're based on software, right? And so when you join the cooperative, you're really getting ownership in our platform, right? Um, and you're helping to support the platform, whether you're an engineer or your community manager or different different parts of the, the software um, stack and, and process. Um, but the I think to me the challenge with DAOs is they're just they they take it any anything that's dogmatic or takes things to the extreme, I think is a challenge, right? If you when when you take when you do things um, to such an extreme and in in all at once it's it becomes a little bit chaotic and that's what i see with with a lot of DAOs and a lot of them conceptually i think are are, are really fascinating but making them making them work from from you know zero to a hundred without the learning is, is difficult yep I agree. Um, so quickly, I want to talk about employers. So on your website, you have a, a page here for employers. Um, and the idea is to connect and empower employees through a company, company-centric care hub, which is very interesting, right? Like mm-hmm. I was listening, I can't remember, I was, I was watching a podcast, listening to a show, um, and they were talking about, 
Oh, it was about, I think it was Arthur Woods. And I think it was, anyway, about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And if you think about like corporates, like if you're pregnant or you've just had a baby and you're breastfeeding, like, you know what I mean? And like, mm-hmm. you also have to get this balance thing right. But now you're in a corporate space and co- employers haven't historically really accommodated things like breastfeeding rooms. You know what I mean? Like da, 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 da. So, yeah. um, so what's your, what's your um, intention here around the employer uh, segment? Of carefully, so um, you know, there's a big opportunity. So first of all, there's a big opportunity, as you mentioned. A lot of employers that don't offer um, childcare benefits today for a variety of reasons. Um, childcare benefits are expensive, um, and not all employers can afford them. Um, is one reason, and um, depending on what the childcare benefit is, sometimes they they subsidize um, paid like. Bright Horizons or Care.com, they might, you know, give you a subsidy for, for, for any kind of paid care. So there's different types of models that they have for that. And even when they when they do that, again, you run up against different issues. So so some a lot of employees don't take care, take advantage of the benefits that employers do offer for some of the reasons that I mentioned before. Either they don't live in a in a place where it's convenient for them to take advantage of that care. They don't, you know, they don't trust the systems. They trust their friends and families and their neighbors, and they don't want to leave their kids at a daycare center that they that's part of a system that's, you know, hasn't really been good to them. And then um, the other big reason is a lot of employees, you know, work either they're shift workers, part-time workers, they work non-standard hours. They can't take advantage of these centers because they don't support the hours that they work or they can't take advantage of the benefits because they're part-time workers. So the solution that we offer is a low-cost solution because it's really a software solution, right? It's a platform that's helping the employees connect. And, um, but it's a start, right? It's a way for the, the employer to say, look, I care. I'm, I'm bringing this benefit in, I'm helping you organize. And then we as carefully come in and help them get organized, show them how they can set it up, show them different ways of organizing, t- help teach them about what is a, what, what is a community-based care all about? How can you get organized? What does this mean? And I think both of those things are important. And also even, especially today in, a, in where remote working is, is more Um, prevalent, we see that a lot of employees are losing that connection with the company. And so by having this platform that's kind of connecting their employees more for for various reasons, that that gives them sort of more more connection back to their work. So there's a lot of potential benefits of just bringing in this kind of solution and and getting employees engaged and saying, look, look, we care, Let's, let's get this going, let's give you some support. Um, you can't use some of these other benefits or we can't afford it. And then we can try to see how this is going to work for you all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the key things uh, statistics wise on your site, so like 67% of working parents would be more loyal uh, to their job if they were offered uh, employer subsidized childcare. Um, and this conversation of like the workforce challenges, talent scarcity, you know, lack of loyalty, quiet quitting, how to manage a distributed workforce. Some people want to work at the office. Some don't give a shit. They want to be at home. Um, and some people want to be in the middle. They want the flexibility of it all. Um, and I was at a Vistage uh, network meeting 
uh, last week and this whole conversation came up around workforce management in this new hybrid uh, space. Um, and I'm curious, that that data point around loyalty, where did that come from? Um, what research piece was that? Can you recall? Uh, so I'd have to go back and look at exactly where that data point came from. So I, I mean, there is, um, it came from one of the articles that you know, there are so many articles that come up out about this every day. I was actually reading a study on, on my way over to talk to you. There was a study from McKinsey about all the women that are quitting um, the workforce because they're not getting enough advancement opportunities. They're not um, getting the, the wellness support. They're, they were getting all the support through the pandemic. And then their employers, as soon as the pandemic was over, they pulled back. And so now they're quitting and going and looking for, and these are people in leadership roles. So I, I'd have to like, I'd have to tell you afterwards well, where that one came from, but I can tell, I can guarantee you that there have, that I, I read new articles every day about it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's more about the research that I'm curious about, not necessarily like that one mm -hmm. piece. And you touched on that, right? Because I think one of the things that I know I heard about from the pandemic was like divorce rates that were like skyrocketed because you were like stuck with this person and mm -hmm. you were like, I'm actually like, I'm not really that into you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When you, when you're stuck with them for, you know, two years <laughs> and you don't get a, an escape for sure. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that also you realize that companies are doing, are taking a lot of performative action just to appease their employees and then they think that they can they can get away with the bare minimum and they're getting maybe called on it a little bit more which is um you know that's something that I that's something that I experienced a lot when I was working in the corporate space and it really it drove a lot of anxieties and stress and frustration for me and 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 um, all of the things that ultimately drove me out of the the workforce which is what the the McKinsey study was was talking about mm -hmm. uh, Leslie what's your what's your vision for this I mean what kind of a contribution are you hoping to make to society you know um, so, I mean, so there's my vision for the platform, the way that I think about it is I, I have this vision where parents can seamlessly move from organizing a play date within their personal network to signing up for after school care with a local trusted local business. And then they can pick up a shift at their um, at their employee sponsored child care co-op. So that everything happens on this platform. And the reason that this vision is important to me um, is that there, it starts with an appreciation for community-based care, but it's also this idea, um, my personal experience, we have this huge cognitive load on parents today where in order to do anything, you have to spend an inordinate amount of time researching, going from app to app and Google search to Google search. And you're doing it all on your own. And I think um, a lot of people are using platforms like Facebook that are not that great for families. And so I'd love to create a community that is supportive, that is sustainable, that is um, creating shared wealth, and that is reducing the cognitive load on parents. Mm -hmm. um, and that, to me, then um, also creates... Uh, a safety net that's reliable and resilient that can start to drive change 
for, for families, right? That has power, political power, right? Um, and that's ultimately important for, for solving some of the problems in these communities. So it's, it's, it's big and it's deep. Mm, yeah, it definitely is. Bring the power back to the parents, Leslie. That's what I say. <laughs> That's the goal. So, um, so I want to have a bit of fun with you. So, um, I want to give you the keys to the Map Branch Road time machine. And if you could go back to day one when you're like, you know what, I'm going to do this thing, screw it. Um, and you could give yourself one piece of advice about building carefully. What would that piece of advice be? What would that piece of advice be? Um, oh, that's a good one. So I think that, I mean, it took me a long time to get to this vision. Like I said, I was messing around with it for a long time. So if I knew then what I know today um, and being able to get some of these community leaders involved sooner, that's what I would do. So I'm just now at the place where I'm starting to involve some like community leaders and getting developing my own community activism skills. Um, I, because my background is in tech, I very much started from the tech up. And now I'm going to the community activism side. Um, and I, I, um, I think that I wish that I had um had more engagement from some of the community leaders that i know now yeah i mean and by the way like your your success here is is quite interesting i mean you've you've got six thousand users across 90 countries you've got apps in spanish english and ukrainian there's over 200 groups i mean it seems to me from that data point (laughs) like you're on the right track um yeah, yeah as a, I mean, as a founder, you, you, you never think it's enough. That's kind of what I mentioned before. It, it seems very small to me in some ways, although we've, you know, we've accomplished a lot with a little resources. It's still, you know, it's never enough. But I, yeah. I also recognize how much it is. So just on that, 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 uh, that comment about n- never enough, like it's, it's interesting once it for me, cause it sparks a question that I have, cause you said, you mentioned it earlier where you said a sustainable business. Do you feel like this is something that you would ever sell? If you, let's just say you reached, you know, I don't know, a million users say, and you worth 10 million. Do you have, would you sell it? Or is this, is this purely about you caring so much about this problem and this problem never going away? You know what I mean? Like, you want to solve uh, it, solve it better than anybody else. Ideally, be first, earn some kind of white space, get some value, and sell it or not. Uh, yeah, I mean, so to me, right now, I don't know how much. Like, I don't know that it has more value than what I've invested in it. So, like, it, at some point, it could. It, I think it it will. Um, not that I've really invested that much, but I don't. You know, I have a hard time seeing what people what people are going to pay for it. If somebody approached me, I'll always consider it. Um, you know, I'm a smart person. Somebody comes and offers me ten million dollars for it, like I'm going to consider it. But I think um, I also, like I said, my goal is also about giving back. Like I I, I started down this path. Um, sometimes I I like I when I talk about you know. I feel like a lot of times I sold my soul working in the corporate world and I'm like buying it back carefully. And so like, I really do want to give back through it. And so I want to make sure that whatever I do is give is, is accomplishing that goal. 
like whether I solve childcare, whether I accomplish my mission, you know, I would love to create a platform that gives back. And so if what we do is, you know, end up selling it and the community is still in a better place, that's great. Or, you know, that's really my goal. Yeah. Um, And I was going to ask you why you do what you do, but I think you kind of stole the answer from me. (laughs) That's it. Yeah, it is. Well, look, um, Leslie, uh, it's been a real privilege having you here. I think you're doing something different. Um, And I think in a world of commoditized ideas and people and businesses um, and propositions and things like that, I think you're doing something different. And so that's a huge success for you. Over and above, by the way, the fact that you're doing this as a single mom. Thank you. No, I appreciate that. It means a lot. But um, we're going to uh, love you and leave you. Wishing you all the very best for the for the future. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to see where you're going to go. Thanks so much. Cheers, everybody. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients Haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an X.com.